cut out the fluff, right? So a lot of what we did was food. We'd be like cooking these delicious, elaborate meals. And uh, I mean, some people came for the food. <laughs> and so once you remove all of that, it's like, is what we're teaching impactful? Hi everyone, Tristan McIver here, Program Advisor at AMC MPO Solutions. Today on the Strategic Nonprofit, I have brought on a guest that will share her experience on how the COVID-19 pandemic has encouraged her NPO to pivot in a different direction. Asha Natim is on the podcast today. Asha was born and raised in Chicago's South Side. She left her corporate job to earn her master's degree and, and begin her nonprofit passion project. Since starting the Chrysalis program, she has worked with over a thousand girls and women. The Chrysalis program and the Power Her Conference fostered the support of the participants healing from trauma and building their self-confidence through speaking engagements and workshops. Welcome, Asha, to the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast. Here at AMC, we do a lot of live webinars and virtual training for nonprofits across Canada. If you're looking for virtual governance training or strategic planning for your NPO, drop me a message and I'll be happy to go over options with you. More details are in the show notes. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, excellent. So can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your work at the Chrysalis program and how you started the organization in an interesting way? Absolutely. Uh, the Chrysalis program started in 2016, and it came from a book series that I wrote called The Dark Brown Girl. The reason why I wrote that book was because I had a lot of negative comments about my oldest daughter's complexion, uh, her just being a dark skinned girl. And people were saying, oh, what are you going to do when she goes to school? Um, people are very mean to dark skinned girls. And so I wanted to encourage her and like build her confidence to the point where it wouldn't matter what anyone said to her, her uh, confidence would come from inside. And uh, when I wrote the book series, I kind of put it out there on social media and I got a lot of feedback from parents who had similar issues, the girls who were struggling with self-esteem. And I decided we just kind of need to come together and benefit each other by sharing information and encouraging the girls and teaching them life skills. And it has just developed into like a much bigger thing than me at that point. Um, so what we offer right now, uh, is life skill classes, leadership classes, and affirmations for self-confidence. So it's a very structured way to build the self-confidence of a girl. So um, we meet usually on Saturdays. And what we would do is have a STEM activity and breakfast. We serve breakfast and lunch. And we go over affirmations, and then we break off into our classes. And then we have and so we've been doing this for five years and um, it's really done a lot for me personally and for the hundreds of girls that we've touched. That's wonderful. Now, we had a conversation a little bit earlier uh, about how you feel that your organization kind of started in a way backwards. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, the reason why I felt even nervous about doing like the NPO talk is because when I started Chrysalis, it definitely was like just a passion project, something that I wanted to do. I didn't know how to structure a nonprofit. I was just so passionate about getting started. So 
I forego all of the steps that were supposed to go before uh, us launching and inviting students in. And it just grew larger than what I expected. So I thought it was going to be like a small group of girls and their parents. And it was like 60 plus girls. And then we just ended up needing to um, get the 501c3 so we could feed all these people. And then like, so we had to go back and do the legwork of um, finding a, um, a accountant <laughs> to help us with the 501c3 process and um, following the rules of like setting a standard operating procedure and all the things that we didn't do when we just started, we had to go back and work backwards. And we're still in the process of like developing it into an actual business because none of us take salaries. We're all volunteers. And so we want to make it into um, a legitimate non-for-profit business and not just the non-profit part. Perfect. So for our um, Canadian listeners or other listeners, uh, the 501c3 is basically the same thing as a not-for-profit society or type status uh, in the United States. So yeah, so that's a big process. Yeah, yeah, it's a big process to be able to to go through. And that's, uh, I think it's... um, you know, the way that you started it, the passion project, as you call it, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, organizations, you know, that's, that's why we want to do that. We want to change something. We want to, uh, you know, encourage something to change, something to be different, to help. Yes. And that's, yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, what what sort of changed for your organization? Because it sounds like you're uh, you're really in person, uh, and yes. with the changes with with the pandemic, how did how are you able to uh, to change your outreach on that? It was difficult at first. So initially, when things went virtual, when the world <laughs> went virtual, um, I wasn't sure how we would even be able to meet. So we had to learn the tech part. And a lot of the students who we reached before didn't return because a lot of what they got from the program were in-person things. So when we do our volunteer orientations, we go over the five love languages and the students are supposed to experience all five. And one of those is like physical touch. So we hug them, we give them gifts. It's the service, it's the quality time. And so without that, um, it's just a totally different program. <laughs> so um, so we had to start recruitment all over virtually and we gained a global audience, but we lost the in-person people who were locally in Chicago because they were just like, it's not the same. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's missing the fellowship. It's missing like the quality time of us spending three straight hours together because when we, transfer to virtual the classes are only an hour (laughs) so it's like we spend one hour together a week and it's not enough and so um so a lot of them did not come back and then we ended up um just having a lot of very enthusiastic students from different places who maybe always wanted to join chrysalis but weren't in the range to be able to do that the other thing that happened was we lost our meeting space so normally we met in public places like the library or churches or 
um, park districts and all of those became unavailable to us um, because the pandemic wouldn't allow them to have people meet. And so now it's pushed us to want to get a location of our own where we can house our programs and offer more like counseling and community resources as well. Yeah, so as you've you explained a little bit about already how you've been able to pivot, you know, pivot your organization. Uh, so you're based out of Chicago. Yes. So you mostly had, you know, um, girls and women from Chicago. So you said that your, your outreach is now where? Um, everywhere, <laughs> it looks like. We have people... And dip, well, mostly in the U.S. still, but just across the U.S., people from Memphis, Tennessee, people from Texas, people from Louisiana. And so we're able to like expand that reach and reach girls who need our program even more because Chicago's South Side, even though it is a really bad reputation of like violence and like difficulty, it has a lot of Black girl programs. <laughs> and so... These uh, other places, there aren't as many programs like this. And so they might even have a greater need for it and a greater appreciation for it. And so I found that like those students are even more grateful and even more like receptive to the lessons that we're teaching. And then it, it cut out the fluff, right? So a lot of what we did was food. We'd be like cooking these delicious, elaborate meals and uh, I mean, some people came for the food. <laughs> and so once you remove all of that, it's like, is what we're teaching impactful? And so it cut everything else out except for the classes. And it made us focus more on the impact of the lesson than all the other details around it. Yeah, that's so, it's such an eye opener, isn't it? You know, like, things were running just with the pandemic in general just things were running the way you had them running um, I remember you saying you know you had a lot of you know beautiful aesthetics in there which is wonderful yes. and great but not not really needed so much right <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I, everybody loves to come for food I yes. you know I, I did that at my my childcare. I ran in the inner city you bring you make food they they come they, they, they come. don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will come, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, if I, you know, a lot of people I talk to, they think, well, what, you know, what if the pandemic didn't happen? Hmm. You know, like for yourself, like you're able to have outreach now, because as you say, it's flooded in, in, in the South Side of yes. Chicago with all these programs that you offer. Yes. Um, and now because of this, because of being, going you know, virtual and, and uh, being able to capture more, um, uh, more, you know, more people to, to be able to get a benefit from your program. There, there are some kind of weird benefits from this. It is. Right? Absolutely. And, yeah. It's definitely not something that we're going to like say, okay, well, the pandemic is over. Bye. So we're going to still continue to offer the virtual classes to the larger audience. Even when we do go back in person, we just need to like have more volunteers to do both. And so um, it's definitely was an eye opener because I would have thought the kids will never want to do. Uh, I, I, I never even thought about it until now. So that was a, definitely a benefit of what happened through the pandemic. Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of um, our listeners have gone through exactly the same thing 
as, as yourself, as, as your program is, um, you know, that there, um, there's so many things that they would have not done or not considered because you're forced into a, uh, you know, you got it, you got to do this or, 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 or nothing's going to happen. You know, I was yes. going to something, but it's inappropriate, but anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like get a move on to right. what we're going to do. How are we going to keep this going or, or just bold? But, you know, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I know that, um, from yourself, um, you know, being a f- the founder of this, of this program and, um, this beautiful not-for-profit, what, What's changed for you personally? Oh, it's been so much. Um, I had been working for several years, obviously for free. <laughs> and um, and when you're like pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, sometimes it's very easy to forget yourself and your own family. And so like um, right before the pandemic happened, I was pregnant uh and (laughs) I had a baby since then and I was just like oh my goodness how are we going to be able to manage all of these things and I had become exhausted so right after my daughter's first birthday uh I caught COVID (laughs) it was right after I got my vaccine and the next day I was sick and I thought this is a symptom you know just from the vaccine so it'll go away but it progressively got worse. Uh, Three weeks later, I couldn't breathe at all. So I was in the hospital and I spent a week there, but that week was literally life-changing. And I was able to like rest. And I realized that I hadn't rested since 2016 (laughs) when this all started. And so I was just like, I was able to like think more clearly, I was able to get my health under control. Um, I don't know if this is too much information, but I'm diabetic. And so that's why it has such a, uh, I had all the symptoms, like every symptom that you can have, I had it. And so I was very, very, very sick because of the pre-existing condition. And so I had not managed my health properly because I was busy taking care of these 60 girls <laughs> and um, I had not prioritized my own now three girls because I was busy writing curriculums and like preparing food and running around and setting up the banners and, and blowing up balloons. I literally was just like, and I had a whole lot of volunteers, but things just had to be a certain way. And then like going through the COVID Uh, sickness and being in the hospital allowed me time to stop and think and process like what am I chasing what what is it that I really do want and how can I do this smarter and how can I take care of myself while taking care of other people and so um, that's where I found my balance so really COVID helped me (laughs) in such a way like it didn't feel good in the moment of course but Afterward, it was so many benefits of like, I even like my kids looked different to me when I can't get out of the hospital. I just, oh my God, you guys are amazing. Like like things that you just take for granted. I stopped taking them for granted in that moment. That is incredible. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You shared a lot more today than you did last time. Oh my gosh, I'm very moved. 
Oh, very moved. Thank you very much for sharing that. And sure. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, will be able to share, you know, either with your experience, um, you know, just, it's so amazing how we get so caught up. Yeah. In, in our just lives. going. Yeah. Running, we, moving. <laughs> I'm a mom. I'm a mom too. I'm a single parent um, myself. And yeah, like, it's helping everybody else and forgetting about yourself. And that's so yeah. important. And that's a really amazing, um, you know, epiphany, I guess, for yourself yeah. that you came to. Um, and it's going it's benefiting you and your family and even, you know, you're, you're not for profit. So it's, it yeah. is, it, um, it, it needed to happen. Right. Yeah. Whether you yeah. wanted it or not. Yeah. Was- I didn't want it, but it needed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to say, is there anything else um, that you wanted to share with our viewers that I haven't touched on? Just don't give up hope and don't stop dreaming and don't stop believing that it can happen. Um, I feel like we start out with our passions and they're so big, these great ideas, and we let people talk us out of them. And we let circumstances or even like hard things that we experience change our minds about what we know that we are supposed to be doing. And I had allowed that to happen to me. I was getting burned out because I was trying to do everything. And I was just trying to do it in my own strength. And it was too much. And so I came to a point where where the pandemic happened to happen right on time because um, I was just like, I don't know if these people appreciate it. And I felt like used and like I'm pouring out and I'm sacrificing everything. And is this worth it? Um, But it is. It is worth it. And just talking to parents since we (laughs) started coming back together, uh, we're preparing for a relaunch in 2022 and like gathering those pictures and the videos helped me remember the why. Like I want to help girls. I want to help people in general, but specifically these girls who have been through all these types of trauma and they need a place to heal, a safe space. And if I don't follow my imagination and my dream of what it's supposed to be, then look how many people aren't going to get what they need. And so I have to do it even when I am afraid and when I'm sad (laughs) and I'm discouraged. The only thing that keeps me going is the faces of the girls when I, we had a uh, we have an annual retreat. And the first one we had, uh, it was such a hard, it was hard work <laughs> because it's a lot of kids and like a teeny amount of volunteers, and everybody is just like we're cooking and we're hiking and we're rock climbing with them. Like, and I was exhausted, and I just thought, thank God this is over. And then um, the girls, it was like three or four girls who were crying because they were like, I'm so sad this is over. I don't want to go home. And so when I don't feel like going on, I remember the impact. Mm. And I remember these girls need this. And who am I to deprive them of it because of my own emotions? So it's my job to find balance (laughs) in my life, to take care of myself, manage my time, take care of my family, and also 
do what it is that God told me to do. And that is all I have to say about that. (laughs) Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Asha. Um, It's been really great having you on the podcast today. If anyone wants to learn more about um, your not-for-profit or um, get in touch with you, how can they do that? I can go to our website. It is Chrysalis for Girls. That's C H R Y S A L I S F O R Girls G I R L S dot org, and um, or you can email us at info at the Chrysalis Program dot org. Perfect. And you have a book as well. You mentioned it. Earlier. I do. I do have the book series. Um, they can all be found on Amazon. You can just look up my name, author Asha V and Tim, and all my books come up. But uh, the Dark Brown Girl series, you can search that. Uh, I can say that. You want me to say the names of the, each book? It's four of them. No, well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, they can just look it up. <laughs> yeah. You put a link in the show notes. That'd be great. And you perfect. Yeah, share that information with us. So thank you so much. And to get in touch with me, um, you can find me on LinkedIn under Trista McIver, or uh, if you want to reach out to me through our website at amcmposolutions.com. I'm here to help with uh, governance training, strategic planning, and bylaw, bylaw reviews as well. So take care, everyone. And I hope you'll tune in to the next episode of the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast.